God's Word, God's lessons for us this morning. Wrap up for us this beautiful experience that we've had hearing of the unbelievable nature of Christian faith. So far, we've been learning that from God's Word that, uh, that faith has unbelievable strength. Because we have a strength that is not our own, because we have a strength that comes when we give up our strength, when we're weak, then God makes us stronger than we can ever imagine. We have a divine durability, a, a superhero strength. We also have mercy that will really right the injustices of this life. Fairness is not really God's way of, of living. You know, it would be perfect if, if everything in life was fair, but that's not the way it works in a sinful world, and that's not the way even Christians expect the world to operate. We live in a world that's full of sin, and it requires mercy to fix and to right those wrongs. Uh, and so we live with an unbelievable mercy. Today, God has one last thing for us, one last thing about faith that is really unbelievable. It's the unbelievable value of faith. And in this first lesson from Genesis chapter 12, we're going to see just how unbelievable faith really is. It's the value that is out of this world. Uh, it gives us something that we could never imagine. So let's hear the benefits of unbelievable faith, this great value from God's word in Genesis 12. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And so Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. And so he built an altar there to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there he went on toward the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord, and he called on the name of the Lord. This is God's word for us. Today, as we hear God's word, we're going to take a short time to meditate on each lesson individually as we hear it. We won't have a longer sermon. We'll have some shorter meditations after each lesson because each lesson shows for us a particular aspect of the value of faith. Uh, and so during this first lesson, I'm going to invite the children to come forward for their children's message if they'd like. All right. Hey, if you guys want to back up just like a, a, a hair so that I can have a little space, I'm going to stand up a little bit so that I can see everybody else. Do you guys know what this is? You know what this is? It says right on top of it, so you know when your English is is at that level, you can see that it says passport. This is a passport. Do you know what a passport does? Have you ever heard of a passport before? Yeah, a passport is a document from the government that says here's the country you belong to, and it will get you into other countries. So if you ever would like to go to Mexico. You need a passport. What's a country you would like to go to? 
Where'd you like to go? South Haven? That's a nice city. It's not a, it, you don't need a passport to get there. Good idea, though. I love that city. It's a beautiful city. If you, if you need to go to Germany or Australia or China or, uh, I don't know, Russia, I'd like to go to Russia someday, Israel, Palestine, any of these places around the world. You'd like to go to California. That'd be cool, too. Uh, you don't need a passport, though, to get there. But you need a passport to get to all these other places. Now, this other thing that I brought here this morning with me is a, it's called a, a birth certificate, but this is kind of a special one, and I bet you, you don't know what this one is. A birth certificate is a document that says where you're born and, and to whom you belong. Uh, this is a birth certificate that's from China. It, it was for one of my children who was born in China, and this birth certificate would have gotten my daughter a Chinese passport instead of a United States passport. This passport is for America. This means that you're an American citizen. But I could have gotten, I could have gotten for my daughter a, a Chinese passport, a, a, a passport that says she's a Chinese citizen. Whoa, that's, that's pretty. That would have been pretty cool. Now, in our lesson today, we hear about a man, his name is Abram. We hear about a man whose name is Abram, and I got a picture there for him. I don't know if he looks like that. But he's a really great guy. He's a very famous guy. He's super important. This man... He is the start or the beginning of three different religions. Three religions. Three of the biggest religions in the world all come from this guy, Abram. Did you start a religion today? No? Well, when you start three in one day, then you get back to me, okay? Then, I'll, then we'll know you're famous. Because he is super famous. He started three different religions. And God came to this man, Abram, and he said to him, Leave your country, leave your people, and leave your family and go to a new land. Go to a land that I will show you. You know, would you ever leave your country and your family and your people? Anybody? I bet you wouldn't. And I bet if we asked all of the adults here, are there any adults here who would give up your United States citizenship? I, I don't think so. I don't think a single one of them would give up their United States citizenship. They wouldn't leave their country and their people. And you know why they wouldn't do that? There's a lot of reasons, but here's just one easy one why they wouldn't leave their country. See, in, if you live in the United States, your house, the mom and the dad and the money they have saved in the house, the whole household it's called, is probably worth about $100,000. If you are from a different country, your average, you're most likely, you're going to only be worth about $4,000. That's why a lot of people want to live in America. Just from a money sake, even a very simple thing. They say, people in America are worth more. They have more money. I want to live there. But there's a lot of better reasons why people would want to live in America. They would live there for the freedoms. America doesn't have the most freedom in the world, but we're pretty high on the list. We do a pretty good job. We got a lot of freedom, freedom of religion and freedom of speech, all of these good things. Do you know about those freedoms? I bet you've heard a lot of them. You know, I think really the best reason why your parents wouldn't leave here, they belong here, don't they? They belong here. This is their country. This is their people. 
This is their city. This is where they belong. God says today, I've got a better country, a better people, and a better family for you. And if you leave all of the things you have right now, here's something else better that I'm going to give you. God says to Abram, I will give you this. Can you read this Bible passage with me if you can read it? If you can read a Bible passage, read it with me. It says, God says, No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. God changes Abram's name. You know, Zeke, your name is Zeke only because you live in America. If you lived in Argentina, your name would be Zeke. Right? If, you're, if you lived in China, do you think your name would be Josiah? No, you'd be, have some Chinese name. You'd be called like Chen Li or something like that. If, if you lived in Germany, do you think your name would be Cassidy? No, you'd be like Fräulein Maria or something like that. <laughs> right? You'd be cute like that. You would all have different names. And what God has said to you, he says, I'm going to give you a new country to belong to, a new people to be from, and a new family. And when I give you all of those things, I'm going to give you something else new. I'm going to call you a new person. I'm going to give you a new name. It costs each of us something to follow Jesus, to be believers in Jesus. We have to be willing to give up our old family and our country and our people. You have to give that stuff up. And you have to say, I'm going to move to a new country. So here, I need all of you to come with me. We're going to move to a new country, right? We have to say with Jesus, I'm going to move to a new country. Come on, we got to move. We're moving to a new country because that's what God has said you and I do. But now we get a new passport. We belong to a new place. I don't know if you can see, my passport doesn't say um, United States anymore. It says Christian. It says American Christian. I'm still American, but I really belong to Jesus Christ. And that is my new country. That's where I belong. That's the value of faith. Faith's value means that we have a new country, a new people, and a new home, a new family. So we get a new name. And here, I brought all of you guys some passports. They're just plays, so don't try to go to Canada with them, please. Um, But you can take these passports home today, and you can put in your name, where you belong, and you can put in all of the other things, and you can say places that you would like to visit. And maybe what you want to do... Can I give you this? I swap you. I gave you the wrong one. I'll give you that one. There you go. Here you go. Mike, do you want one? Yeah? All right. You guys, you get all, you can take these passports home and you can fill them out with places that you would like to visit. But really what you, I want you to do is say, here's where I belong. Everybody watching, last, here's the last little thing. Say, don't say I belong to the United States. Say I belong to God. Say I am a Christian because that's your real country. That's your real family and your real name. In our first lesson for this morning, we heard the value of faith, the value of the benefits of, of faith. Yes, it's a cost us something, but we get tons of new things. Not only do we get the forgiveness of sins that we talk about so often, but we get a, a new family, a new people, and a new country to call our own. Uh, and so we can rightly say that we have a new name. We're a new person. In the second lesson, this is a, such a helpful lesson for us because the Apostle Paul, writing to Philemon, shows us 
what it looks like for each of us to pay the cost to follow Jesus. What's it going to look like for us to pay the cost of discipleship in our, our daily lives? Is this like walking into Starbucks and, and paying 25 cents? Uh, is this like walk, coming into church and giving our offering? What does it look like for us to pay the cost? So let's hear this from Paul writing to Philemon in Philemon. There's only one chapter in Philemon, so you can't say in Philemon chapter 1. It's just verses 1 and then 10 to 11. Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our dear friend and fellow worker, that I appeal to you for my son Onesimus, who became my son while I was in chains. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he has become useful both to me and to you. I am sending him, who is my very heart, back to you. I would have liked to keep him with me so that he could take your place in helping me while I am in chains for the gospel. But I did not want you to do anything without your, but I did not want to do anything without your consent, so that any favor you do would not seem forced, but would be voluntary. Perhaps the reason he was separated from you for a little while was that you might have him back forever, no longer as a slave, but better than a slave, as a dear brother. He is very dear to me, but even dearer to you, both as a fellow man and as a brother in the Lord. And so if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. I, Paul, am writing this with my own hand. I will pay it back, not to mention that you owe me your very self. I do wish, brother, that I may have some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart from in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I ask. If he... This is God's word for us. Um, I had a... I don't know how your week went. I, I had one of the craziest weeks I've had in, in a long time. Um, one of the things that happened to me this week is I got a call one of the nights from somebody who had been without food. They hadn't eaten in more than 24 hours. They had no food at their home right then, and it didn't look like they would have any food uh, anytime soon. They, their house was completely empty. They had no money to expect any food anytime soon. And on top of that, uh, they had no car to get, to get any food. Um, it wasn't like they could drive to Christian Neighbors or St. Vinny's to get anything. Uh, and they finally, they were medically homebound. Uh, so even if they did have some kind of way to get out. They would need somebody with special medical equipment to go in and get them food. Uh, they're in a, I know this family well. I spend a, a lot of time talking with them. They're in a very tricky situation, and so it's not at all a surprise to me. Uh, it doesn't, ev hardly ever happens, but, you know, just once. No, and so I, I, I took, I bought them some dinner that night, or I had that, had somebody get them dinner, uh, and I I made sure that they got some basic groceries, bread, milk, that kind of thing, so that they would have something to eat for a few days. Most people would think that's what it means to pay the cost of, of following Jesus, just in a very tangible way that you and I, if somebody has a physical need, that we step up and we do what we can to pay the money or pay whatever it takes to help somebody stay alive, get their basic needs. A lot of people would say, well, that's what it means to pay the cost to follow Jesus. 
And it seems like the Apostle Paul is saying that in today's lesson when he writes these words. He writes these words. He says, if he, and he's speaking about this man, Onesimus, if he has done you any wrong or owes you anything, charge it to me. See, the Apostle Paul here is speaking to his friend Philemon, and he's speaking to Philemon because uh, his friend Onesimus, now his new friend, ran away from Philemon as a slave. And so it sounds like at first what the Apostle Paul is saying is, if it costs you any money to try to track down Onesimus, if you had to pay the fare, for example, to get a boat and to, to try to follow Onesimus, well then, charge that to me. I'd be glad to pay that for you, right? That's no big deal if I have to pay that amount of money for you. But, but read what Paul says. Paul says just before that, he, he says, if he has done you any wrong, and he's speaking of Onesimus. If, if Onesimus has done you any wrong, he says. And we should say to ourselves, wait a second. Slavery was completely legal in ancient Rome. It was illegal as a slave to run away from your master. If he has done any wrong, of course Onesimus has done wrong. He, he fled his master as a slave. He, he's definitely done something wrong. There is no way that Onesimus could be absolved or excused from this crime unless Philemon was going to use some other standard for charging him, for holding him guilty. Otherwise, he absolutely, without a doubt, was in the wrong here. And Paul is saying to Philemon, I want you to consider some kind of a situation where you actually would not charge Onesimus as guilty of wrongdoing. What kind of a situation would it take, Philemon, my dear friend, for you to not hold Onesimus guilty of wrong? And Paul tells it to us. He says, charge it to me. What's Paul doing here? Paul is saying, hey, I am, I am willing to take the hit. I'm willing to take the, the criticism of my reputation. I'm willing, if you feel it's right, Philemon, to be considered guilty for Onesimus' case so that you can treat Philemon as a, as a brother, as somebody who has a new country, a new people, a new family. And then maybe, Philemon, maybe you can give Onesimus a new name. Maybe you can call him son and brother instead of slave. Do you follow what Paul is saying here to Philemon? He's saying, Philemon, I want you to imagine a totally different world. One where you don't think on the basis of Roman legal law, and you don't charge Onesimus as guilty because he ran away as a slave. I want you to think on the basis of a different kingdom, a different set of rules and laws and structure. And I want you to imagine a kingdom where you hold me, the Apostle Paul, guilty, instead of charging that wrong to Onesimus. And then I want you to think about Onesimus as your brother. This friends, is what it looks like 
for you and I to pay the cost to follow Jesus in our daily lives. And this is something that I think you do for me all the time, uh, and you do for this church, and I'm, I'm really grateful. But I think you probably end up doing it for me all the time. What happens when somebody walks up to you and says, man, your pastor, he's pretty crazy, isn't he? Can you believe that guy? I mean, what is he, what is he thinking? Or, man, that, that guy, he, he's, kind of, he's kind of mean, isn't he? I mean, does he ever say anything nice? Um, I'm sure that people have, have said critical things. And if you say to yourself, if you respond, and, and the response you have is, no way he's not. He's not like that. He's not like that at all. I don't see that. You know being defensive doesn't help the situation, does it? That never improves the relations. At, at the same point, I, I, at least I hope you're not going to say, yeah, you're right, he's totally a meanie head and I just can't put up with him. If that's how you feel, then we should probably talk about that. Um, you can meet me on Monday morning at 9 o'clock in my office. No, I'm just but I'm guessing what most of you say is you say, you're right. He's got his, his share of faults. So do I. You know, this is how that same problem that he has, that shows up in my life like this. This is my way of sinning. And you know what? I accept him. Despite all of the wrong he's done because of, of Jesus and what Jesus has done. I consider him a brother and a friend, not because he's perfect and he's, he never does anything wrong, but because, because he's a follower of Jesus, a believer in Jesus. And, and more importantly, I am. And so I will accept him, and I will approve of him, and I will regard him as, as high because of that. You know what you're doing there? You're doing exactly what Paul tells Philemon to do. You're saying, charge it to my account. You know if you say, yeah, he's made his mistakes, but we, we accept him because of Jesus. Your friend's going to say to you, really? What kind of a world do you live in? Is that really how things work for you? And and you say, yeah, it is. Because you're saying, charge it to my account. If you think a little bit less of me, I will let my reputation, my good name, my approval in your sight take a little bit of a hit so that you can still think well of somebody else. You're saying, charge it to my account. And that, my friends, is how we pay the cost on a daily basis for following Jesus. We can put it this way, as, as Paul said it, that faith increases in value as we pay somebody else's price, somebody else's cost. I'm the one that really should pay that. But for every time you do it, your faith becomes more beautiful, more wonderful, more glorious than you could ever imagine. Every time you pay a little bit of that price for somebody else, God looks at you and he says, well done. Thank you for suffering for the sake of my kingdom. Thank you for suffering because of my son. Thank you for taking that cost on yourself. And your faith, your faith becomes more precious. It's worth more than gold. And that, my friends, is a wonderful thing. God, so far in his word, has told us the benefits of paying the cost of following him. He has told us what it looks like for us to follow him. Now he wants to give us the heart that will pay this cost.
It's not an easy cost to pay, but he will give us a heart to pay the cost of discipleship as Jesus speaks in Luke chapter 14, verses 25 and following. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you at first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, This person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king. Won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation, while the other is still a long way off, and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. And please be seated as we consider God's word. So, you probably haven't seen it, but there's this short, uh, short meme about pastoring that's um, that's going around, and of course, pastors share these kinds of things with each other. And I'm I'm just going to share it with you real quickly uh, because it's crazy. I, you you you've got to see this. It's just so weird. All right. So here's what's happening. There's this guy. His name is Mike, and he is he is going for a world record in check this out, breaking glass. He is running through plates of glass which seems like just a, a crazy thing to do. All right. Now, the thing is, is what, uh, we aren't going to sit there and watch it, but um, what, the, what this guy is, is learning, what he is experiencing is the, the challenge, of course, of getting to something that you want. And what they wanted to illustrate for for pastors is to say, all right, if you want to be a, a pastor, not only does it cost you a lot of things, you have to pay for an education, uh, you have to pay for a lot of things in terms of your character, but you really have to learn to want something else. You have to learn, as Jesus says, to want to take up your cross and follow him. And if that means smashing through one hard thing in life after another, no matter how much it is, that's what you really have to, to want you have to be able to, to want the tough stuff like that. Now, this is a, a, a reality in, in life. If you want to be fast, you don't just wake up some morning and, and be fast. You actually have to love that thrill where, you're, where your legs are burning, your, your whole body is empty of all oxygen, and then all of a sudden your, your brain kind of goes lightheaded and you feel you have this whole new life. It's a that moment of, of euphoria where you can all of a sudden run another five miles and you won't even notice it. That does happen to, uh, to runners. We should ask Dave. He's not here this morning. Um, but, you know, you get that moment of euphoria. You have to want that moment. Uh, if you want to get strong, you, you can't just wake up and, and be strong. You have to want the moment where your muscles are all burning and falling apart and you work for that one moment. This is, this is something that, that we know. You, you don't actually want... The, the good thing. You have to want the tough thing. And, and C.S. Lewis said 
this, he pointed this out, that this is even the way that, that not only the world works, but all of God's kingdom works. That if you want something good, we always have to learn to want something else. Do you and I really want heaven? Because if you really want heaven and you want to see God's life and his work here, you have to learn to want something else. What is it? Jesus says it this morning. He says, if you, if you want to build a tower, you have to be willing to go through the whole process and see that maybe you don't even have enough money to build it. You have to want even that moment of that realization, that I don't have enough to do this. If, if you want to go to war, if you want to expand your kingdom and take over new countries, you have to want the moment where you realize I don't have enough to win this war. You have to want that feeling of, of I have nothing. I, I don't have anything that counts in this world. I don't have anything that's going to last into eternity. You have to want that moment where you have nothing. And then when you want that moment where you realize you have nothing you will find that your resolve for what really counts, for the stuff that really lasts, will increase so much more. That's because this is what Jesus did. Jesus resolved to want the tough stuff. He wanted the hard conversations. He wanted the suffering. He wanted the the sickness. He wanted the death. He, he wanted to take all of those things on for you. He wanted all of the hard things so that the life could come afterwards to him and more importantly to you. And when you see how his, his strength resolves, how his, his will hardened to want that really tough stuff, then you will find your resolve standing up to want what's really good. If we want something good, then we, we have to learn to want something else more. There's a, a dynamic moment from uh, the, the Lord of the Rings, and you don't have to see it, but that really helps us, and I'll just tell you this story because it's such a, a, a powerful moment to show us what Jesus did and how it strengthens our resolve. So in this story, the, the two characters, their names are Sam and Frodo, they have to carry this ring to a mountain and get it destroyed. And it's a, a very dangerous quest that they embark on. They have crossed their own country for many days. They have faced death many times. Finally, they arrive at the foot of the mountain where the ring was forged so that they can destroy it. And Sam is sitting there on the foot of this mountain, and he is absolutely despairing of his own life. He realizes that this was the job that he set out to do. And he says, to help Mr. Frodo to the last step, and then die with him. He has this dawning realization. He says to himself, I would really like to go home again, and to see my home, and to see my good lady friend that I would like to marry someday, and my old man, and, and Marigold, and all of these other people. I can't believe that, 
this man, Mr. Gondolf, would have sent me on this errand if there had been no hope of coming back at all. I wish he hadn't died, and I wish that we had the hope of getting home again. And then, then it says, even as hope died in him, it turned to a new strength. Sam's face grew stern, almost grim, as the will hardened in him, and he felt through all his limbs a thrill, as if he was turning into some creature of stone and steel, that neither despair, nor weariness, nor endless barren miles could subdue. Friends, if you want to have the resolve to get the really good stuff in life, to see your life here flourish with your friends and your family, to enjoy the peace that never ends, to have comfort for your soul, you have to want something else more. And when you see how Jesus set his face for you, then your resolve will harden. And your faith will be so precious. That is God's word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we often underestimate the value of our faith because we don't see how all of the tough stuff that we're going through is, is really refining us and forming us and taking away our desire for the bad things and setting our face firm on what we really need. Teach us to want the tough stuff in this life, the, our own death of self and, and our own giving away of ourselves so that we can want the good stuff that really lasts. Let us see your face set to, to die for us, to give life to us so that we can have life. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's join together then in confessing our faith with the words of the Apostles' Creed. Join me as we, we confess together. Please stand. Let's confess. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's take an opportunity to give to our Lord. We'll gather those gifts as we're seated.